Tommy Gurn with the Florida the Gators. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Just as, I was just checking to see if you were listening. From Destroyer, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Momentum, excitement. Energy, you know, I mean, they say all this stuff and you know what they mean, but you, you know, it doesn't describe what you mean. I mean, it's just sort of out there. You got barbecue back there and you didn't invite me. Hurt my feelings. I was just worried about, you know, listening to, you know, all, all your guys' rap poison. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. Here are your hosts, Sergio and Tyler. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, we are continuing our coverage of the 2023 NFL Draft coming up in just a couple of weeks, two weeks from today. If you are listening to this podcast on Thursday, April 13th. We are recording, obviously, on Wednesday, April 12th, as is our typical recording schedule. This week, we are talking all about the offensive players that could potentially be drafted. Um, on night one of the NFL draft in a couple of weeks. Last week, Tyler and I went ahead and kind of had like a like a little primer, you know, as a what have we missed in draft season because we've both been so busy. Next week, we will be talking about the defensive players. And then the week of the draft is the week after that. So we will be having our official mock draft where we go through all 31. Yes, that's right. I said 31 picks in the first round of the NFL draft this season. No, Tyler, I don't want to talk about why there's 31 picks. Yes, Tyler, I do want to continue and jump into our quick hits, which is our news of the week. Um, Big news coming out yesterday from the Big Ten. They have hired a brand new commissioner. It is former MLB and TV executive Tony Petiti. Um, I hope I'm saying that correctly. He is formerly the vice president of programming at ABC Sports formerly the vice president of business affairs at CBS, uh, the exec- former executive vice president in charge of NFL coverage um, at CBS Sports. He rebranded CSTV into what we now know as the CBS Sports Network, ever heard of it. Uh, he also launched the MLB Network in 2009, and in 2015, he became the MLB COO, that is the chief operating officer, Um for those of you who watch Succession, kind of like a um, uh, kind of a, a Roman situation going on there. Uh, and he replaced Rob Manfred, the current MLB commissioner, in that role. Um, he's also the co-CEO of the 33rd team, which, full disclosure, I, as an employee of True Media Networks, we are partners with the 33rd Network. Uh, we provide them with data and their analytics infrastructure. 33rd team is a football think tank. That kind of, you know, does schematic and coaching clinics and stuff like that. But he will begin his role as the Big Ten commissioner on May 15th. Tyler, I have talked way too much in a row without letting you even say a single word, my friend. I apologize for that. But do you have any thoughts on a brand new Big Ten commissioner? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I love the <laughs> dynamic of our podcasting now where it's like, Sergio rants and describes things in great detail for 90 seconds. Tyler confirms or denies. <laughs> I mean, you you explained it pretty good. I, I don't have a really an opinion on this. Okay. Um, All right, good. I don't either. I, mean, I just figured we should. I mean, he seems like he seems 
it's tough. I I almost feel like no one is ever qualified to be a uh, conference college football conference commissioner because there's mm-hmm. like it's such a f- job that only a few people have. Like it's yeah. not. So like, what would there's no there's no you do this then you do this then you do this like they just hire people that they think could do it. But I mean, this guy seems qualified from a. I mean, from a sports business perspective. So, and, and I think um, I think that's the one thing that this hire tells us, right? The one thing this hire tells us is the Big Ten is making sure that the bag isn't running dry anytime soon. You know, that's mm-hmm. pretty much it. That's pretty much what. We're yeah, doing. from us from a sports business perspective, this seems like a good choice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and speaking of conference commissioners, the ACC has extended Jim Phillips, who is ex- or is expected to um, extend Jim Phillips. Phillips with a new three-year contract extension. He came on board, I believe it was in 2021 or 2020, um, with a five-year deal. So clearly, it looks like they like what they're, you know, what he's doing over there in the ACC. Um, I think maybe uh, Clemson and Florida State's athletic departments may think otherwise, but overall, it looks like he's doing the job properly. Um, in other news, we have Cliff Klingsbury. Ever heard of him, Tyler? You, are you aware of this man? Um, tangentially. Uh, I know he has I, a I'm really not, nice house in Arizona. That's I know not, that. No, no one can convince me that this man exists. I'm sorry. <laughs> no one can. No one can. The last we heard of him wasn't he like backpacking out in like Taiwan or something? Or yeah, the moment he got the moment he uh, got fired, uh, he was mm-hmm. just like, "Cool, I'm going to Southeast Asia." And I'm like, you know, I don't hate it. For, you know, for you. once like, again, confirming that the dream job is fired football coach. We exactly. typically have said fired sec coach because we know just how plentiful that bag is but if you can the day after you get you know fired from your job just hop and take a one-way jet to southeast asia i i would consider that to be in the pantheon of jobs i want in my life you know what i mean mm-hmm. and not so much the coaching it's the i want to get fired from being co- a coach well that's the thing because you want you want to i would put you want to put in enough effort to get the job or at least be friends with because it's a all a good old boys club be friends with somebody enough to get the job, but then that you have no interest in being good at it. Are you kidding right. me? Like, the hard the hard part isn't the job. The hard part is getting the job because it doesn't matter how good you are. Even if you get fired, you're going to secure the bag. That is what we love. It's just the perfect grift. It really is gen- the perfect grift. Generational wealth. Generational exactly. wealth. You could change lives. Um, exactly. Anyway, uh, I actually, from an actual football perspective, do really like this for USC staff. Um, yes, he he's not joining. Really, he's joining USC really staff as an it. offensive analyst. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just forgot to tell the people, you know, what Cliff Klingberg oh, yeah. was doing. All I said was, "Hey, Cliff Klingberry," and we just went on a rant about fire college coach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cliff Klingberry is joining the USC, that is Southern California staff, as an offensive analyst. He's expected to work with the quarterbacks, uh, which means that he will be working with one Caleb Williams. Um, it seems to be like. You were about to say a good fit, right? Is that what you were saying? Well, yes. It's funny because uh, they already have a graphic made. Because uh, remember that time that right, college football. <laughs> remember that time that Texas Tech fired Cliff Kingsbury because he went five and seven with Patrick Mahomes. Well, this is actually the year after that. We had a better record with a guy that nobody remembers. Um, but he went five and seven with Patrick Mahomes. He got fired from that job. He took the USC offensive coordinator job. Then immediately left it to take the Arizona Cardinals' head coaching job. Um, Correct. <sighs> okay. Uh, 
I don't so think he coached a game. game. Did he coach a game as the offensive coordinator? No. Or was it like a two-week no. thing? He was there, in like he was there in the offseason for like a few weeks. And then they were like, okay. yo, we want this fired college football coach that couldn't hack it in college football. Um, with Patrick Mahomes. With Patrick Mahomes. Let's have him come over to Arizona. Uh, I It doesn't matter. Um, it's over now. I told you it wasn't – we all told you it wasn't going to work out. And nobody believed me. But um, anyway, I actually – okay – Yes, because Cliff Kingsbury knows offense. That no one's denying that. And right. it's funny because as good as this is, and like this, I think will help them. They USC really didn't need it. Like, yeah, this is like I the don't... one. Not not that it's bad because if Cliff Kingsbury right. wants to join your staff as an offensive analyst, you let him join your staff. But it mm-hmm. is one of those things where I'm like, yeah, USC, you got better in that in the box of. Let me see, uh, checks notes. Uh, quarterback, the thing you already had the best player in the country for. Um, <laughs> this so... is this is like when you get a car and you have changed the tires, you've maybe painted it a little bit, you you installed a new radio, but it turns out that you have no engine. Um, and it's like, great, this looks incredible. But you know what would be really helpful, USC? I don't know, a defensive analyst? A defense. Call me crazy. I, I don't really need – this is an embarrassment of riches on the offensive side of the ball. Like, hey, Vic Fangio was out there. No, no, he was not, all right? Vic Fangio <laughs> was not available because Vic Fangio decided he wanted to win a championship and also go to the beach in December, okay? Okay. Anyway, don't you – don't do that to me. Don't do that to <laughs> me, Tyler. <laughs> I am optimistic about this Dolphins season. Don't do this to me. <laughs> Um, so yes, he, he, Cliff Kingsbury joins USC and, and what is bound to be something that I don't, I, this feels like it's going to be something that really won't have much of an impact, but it's, it's kind of a layup for him too, to kind of rehab himself because spoiler yeah. alert, USC with the quarterback position, as Tyler said, they're going to be all right. Offensively, they're going to be all right. So it's, it's a it's, quick it's rehab. It's Lincoln Riley, who's Lincoln Riley, who's a better offensive mind than, than Cliff Kingsbury, in my opinion. And it's mm-hmm. like. It's funny because Cliff Kingsbury could have gone anywhere and I would have been like good hire because it probably will help your offense. USC is one of the few places where I'm like, I mean, I guess it'll help. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not going to make it. I don't think it'll make it worse. Like, because nothing I've heard is that Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is not a, like, it's not a Kevin Steele situation. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is going to try and coup. I think he, right. I've, I've heard that he's pretty good. Like that. His issues are just that he's not a great head coach. Like he's a good offensive yeah. mind, but he just like right. he doesn't win enough. And like, so it also feels like great. the people at Heritage Hall like are just going to be like, you know who we should get? Cliff Klingsbury. And Lincoln Riley honestly is like, all right, sure. Like sure, I guess we can get him out there. You know, if you want to, if you want to like come do the complete rehab as a coach, go to Nick Saban. If you want to do like superficial PR rehab. Go be an offensive analyst and work with the quarterbacks at a university that has Caleb Williams as their quarterback. That is just like optics 101 PR redemption right there. Look, he's gonna there some NFL team's gonna fall in love and he's gonna he's gonna get another offensive coordinator shot. Which he's gonna which get I an offensive coordinator position. Yes, I think he should. should stop there. This is yes, the entire right. framework. This is the entire point of the show, The Office, is that people say get so good at a job that then they get promoted to a job that they're no longer qualified for and no, their skills <laughs> no longer apply. That's the whole concept of that vastly popular sitcom. 
this is the this is the thing that with football that always gets overlooked is that like cool, like like Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen doesn't really need to be anything was, ever more than an offensive coordinator. I was gonna and, make that joke. <laughs> and, and to be fair, Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen, I think is a better head coach than Cliff Kingsbury. But Cliff Kingsbury doesn't ever need to be anything more than an offensive coordinator. That is where he is best at. But of course, if you're good at that thing, they will want to see if you can do the next thing. And I don't think he is a good head coach. But anyway, I don't know why we're getting on this tangent because this is a good hire and they should all be happy about it. But um, well, it's it's because it's because you live in a Big Ten town now, so that's you know we had to kind of incorporate a Big Ten program. Anyway, we're gonna move forward. Um, last couple of things. Florida spring game. <laughs> Tyler's giving me the stare that, <laughs> as my sister would say, the bombastic side eye, which I guess is the thing that the teeny boppers are saying now. I don't know. I feel old. The Florida Gators spring game um, is tonight, Thursday night, 730 Eastern on SEC Network Plus. Uh, that is the alternate SEC Network channel. Um, you can find that on the ESPN Plus app or on, you know, any ESP, any way you can watch the ESPN Plus and SEC Network and stuff like that. Uh, we will talk about that next week. Obviously, Tyler and I, I cannot watch it live uh, because I will be at the. I will be at the Florida Panthers final regular season home game. Um, we thought that it was going to be the game to clinch the playoff spot, but shout out to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Big fan of the choke job that they had yesterday. Super happy about that because now the Panthers have clinched the playoff spot. Um, I can go and look into my 401k and see if I can afford playoff tickets. Uh, I am just, okay for for if my father is listening to this which sometimes he does <laughs> i am a thousand percent joking <laughs> i if the only way i go to a playoff game is if the tickets are gifted to me and that is not me asking you poppy to gift me them that is you know how i can go to games without paying anyway we're gonna leave that at that um i, I had to do a psa for for the bit i really had to yeah, do a PSA quick, quick disclaimer quick disclaimer just really like, just a mat you know we're bringing back tyler I'm not even going to say allegedly because allegedly implies that like I'm joking. I'm not going to say what allegedly implies because I'm going to incriminate myself, but um, you know what I mean? We're messing around. Wow. Look at us. We're just flying in these first 15 minutes. Um, So we will talk about the Florida spring game that where, what, how did we get to the Panthers? What is wrong with me? The Florida football spring game. I just said nothing. I didn't do a single thing and you got there on your own. Oh, geez. Oh, my God. What is wrong with me? I had my coffee later than usual today. It's probably that. Um, so the Florida game, the Florida spring game, we will talk about it next week. Um, I will we'll watch it on demand. Tyler, as he briefly noted in that little rant I just had, that he will also not watch it live. So we will be talking about it next week, um, you know, briefly. We don't have to go too far into it, but we'll give some takeaways. Um, but I also want to talk about briefly before we get into the draft coverage, Hugh Freeze, who is now the head football coach at Auburn, which is still a wild sentence to say. Um, he recently had some comments uh, when he was talking about the spring game. Um, currently, the spring rules with the NCAA state that, you know, you can you have your X amount of spring practices. I think it's 10 or 12. Um, and then you can have your one inter-squad scrimmage, right, which is the spring game. And it's between the teams and, you know, you ones versus twos, or maybe you mix them up and stuff like that. But what Hugh Freeze was saying, which is the epitome of a broken clock is right twice a day, was that he was thinking that maybe we can have <laughs> – anyway, 
maybe we can have these scrimmages be against other programs. Now, his specific example was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if UAB and Auburn had a scrimmage instead of that inner squad scrimmage that they have? It would give competitiveness. It would give, um, you know, inner. it, it would um, make some noise within the state, all these different things, because um, that's what Alabama needs more of, fo- football noise in that state. Mm. But you know what I mean? What do you think of this idea? What do you think of the idea of a program scrimmaging with another program in the spring rather than doing the traditional inter-squad scrimmage? What do you think of that, Tyler? Well, first of all, heartbreaking. The worst person you know just made a good point. Um, (laughs) uh, I mean, I like it. Mm -hmm. I don't. To be completely honest, I don't think that it's something that is like, I don't think it's fixing a problem. I don't think there is a problem. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think it could be good. It's one of those situations where like, yeah, it'd be nice for like you, like, because as much as coaches want to try, they can try as much as they can, but they, every coach will tell you, you cannot replicate in game, like bullets are flying experience. Like mm-hmm. you spend months in the off season trying to figure that stuff out in practice but at the end of the day, you won't know until you step on a field um, how good your team is, what's going to happen, all that kind of stuff. And this would get you a step closer because spring game is an is a the spring game in general is a way to figure that out. But yeah, like I think it'd be better against another team. Now these games shouldn't matter for anything like that. I and I don't think also that it needs to be like regulated in a way of like this needs to be new college football rule necessarily if it's a thing within like that schools can figure out amongst themselves that'd be fine too um i i'd be open to it but again it's one of those things where like i'm not saying that and this is not to say that it shouldn't happen because i'm not necessarily a believer in if it ain't broke don't fix it things can always be improved but like it is also a matter of I don't think there's necessarily a problem here that this is addressing. Like, okay, I I, I, I get that. Like, like, yeah, I can. I'd be open to it. I'd be open to it. It's just that I'm like, it's so low on my priority list, and I'm like, yes, the problem with college football is that we don't have uh, spring scrimmages against other teams. Like, Mm. um, I think there's, I think there's three ways to look at this. Right, there's the way of the fan, which is how you and I look at everything because we are fans, and this is. That is the thesis of this show, right? We look at we look at college football specifically through a fan's lens. That's kind of what we do here. Um, there's looking at it through the lens of coaches and players, like the the actual people participating in the event or in, in that would be participating in the event. And then there's through the eyes of like athletic directors and school presidents and the, basically the people making the decisions. I think that it's interesting, right? In the same question, yeah. right? This is the... This is the quote that Freeze said. Uh, the solution is allowing us to scrimmage somebody on A-Day. Parentheses, this is Sergio speaking. A-Day is like the orange and blue debut, which is the name of the Florida spring game. It's the Auburn spring game. They call it A-Day. All right, close parentheses. Continuing. Another team. I think everybody would get out of it exactly what they want. And let's adopt a charity and give all the proceeds to them. Let Alabama play Troy and we play UAB or vice versa. I don't care. People will come see that. Now, Trent Dilfer, who is now the head coach at UAB and noted college football head coach. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. He has no experience. Uh, Never mind. I'm going to keep going forward there. Sorry. Um, He responded and he said, quote, 
pretty, pretty, pretty please, which Sergio speaking again is exactly what you want your college football coach to be saying. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty please. And I'm just making fun of him. I don't know why, but we're going to keep going. Um, he was right. You freeze. He means whether you're Auburn or Alabama, you're looking for live competition. You're looking to not play yourself and not the DJ Khaled kind. That was me. I think if you're UAB or Troy, I think you're looking to hopefully play people that are perceived to be much better than you so you can use it as a test to see where your program is at. Now, I'm going to go ahead and take that quote that he went ahead and said, and I'm going to kind of give it a little bit of context because I think that is where the big question and conversation lies here. What does the perception of, a, you know, listen, we're there's a lot of talk of, you know, is Power 5 really Power 5 now? It's really like a Power 2 and then a group of eight or whatever. Whatever the new designation may be, right? The haves and have-nots, basically. The have-nots in FBS football, traditionally your group of five programs, do they benefit from going and playing, um, you know, the, the quote-unquote powerhouses or the more traditional programs, I guess we, we should say? in their states or is it seen kind of like a slap in the face of so you mean to tell me that you just kind of want us to come and be some tackling dummies um i i I pulled this and looked this up because i listened to split zone duo yesterday um the latest episode and they do a really good job of having this conversation obviously stephen godfrey decides is he is the group of five warrior he you know he he is my champion i love him to death and he's going to Mm -hmm. bat for the g5s Um, And his basic argument was like, why are we going to put our health on the line? Why are we going to put our resources on the line for something that we don't get anything out of? Right. Um, I think Hugh saying mentioning Hugh Freeze, mentioning charity and such is a lot of uh, Hugh Freeze grandstanding, in my opinion. Oh, 100 percent. It's a good idea, but I don't think he believes it. But he's not saying it because he believes it. Exactly. He's saying it because he thinks it's going to be the right thing to say in the press in April in Alabama. So that is why he, you know, that's he's saying that. But there is something to do you pay these G5 schools to come up? Maybe you do something with the FCS. Is this kind of like another ladder where you force, um, you know, kind of that? connection between the divisions especially with everything changing in college football and the landscape there's so many questions to this that i think i agree with what godfrey's point was on that podcast was i don't think there's a feasible way to do this and on top of that if you're gonna pay them x amount of money to come do spring ball you know what i as the group of five school would want to do just pay me to come play you in the regular season you know why because either i can either a sell tickets if if we work out like a two-for-one situation or or maybe like instead of playing at UAB's new campus, they they play at like you know the the municipal state uh, uh, municipal stadium, you know. Or if it's a Georgia Tech situation, they play at the Benz. You know what I mean? Something where you can sell tickets and kind of raise some money, or you know, like compensate me. You know what I mean? And it's all, that whole perception thing. And also on top of that, if you are um, the perfect example right now, uh, it, let's just use that. If you are UAB. And you have an elite wide receiver that was just under recruited. No one took a saw. No one found. And you found your way to kind of get him on your roster. And you go and play Alabama or Auburn. You think that those two programs aren't going to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where would this guy come from? Listen, that guy will be playing for UAB maybe just the spring. Because the way the transfer portal works, your best players are going to get poached. So do you really want to put your best players in a position a to get point. that showcase to be moved? Now, is that good for the players themselves? Absolutely, because 
yes, the reality is that those programs have a bigger platform. Those programs have a bigger um, exposure, so it'll be better for their career and NIL opportunities and so so forth and so such. But as the program, do you really want that? Is that what you really want to go and expose your players for either A, money that goes to the athletic department that you don't see in your own pockets, players looking at you, or B, um, basically for like a charity event where you basically – yes, you do the right thing by donating to the Boys and Girls Club of Birmingham. Okay, like that's incredible, and I, I do think that is a good thing to do. But at the risk of losing your best players when you as your coach are trying to also climb that ladder up into the top jobs in college football, like – practically i don't know if it makes that's a good sense. that's a really good point you know it's a really good point and it's it's the thing it's easy for the the schools that would be the higher division schools that would be benefiting the most from this to say this but mm-hmm. i i do agree that it's like so we're gonna put our bodies in the line for as a we as a less talented less depth uh let's sorry less deep team right. just so that you can be better no you know, I wish Tyler, I wish there was a way to 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 give players something that represented what their worth was and was worth their time and their physical effort and and their their bodies and um you know, one would one would even say it was compensation. I wish there was a way to do something to be able to recognize those players for all the money they make for these universities and conferences. Crazy, crazy to think. I, I just can't think of one, Tyler. I just can't think of one. Um, well, speaking of players that should be paid, since I'm going to just go out there and say it, the NFL draft is coming up, Tyler, at the end of this month. There you go. Seg to the way. Um, it is time to talk about the offensive players. We have been holding on to this for a while. Um, I have a series of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions here in related to offensive players. And it's going to be our launching point, and we're going to spend the next 30 minutes or so talking about this. Let's go ahead and start with the most important position in football. It is the quarterback, and it is the topic of conversation right now with the NFL draft. It is the biggest story, we believe, as we talked about last week and last week's episode. And if you missed that whole primer, go ahead and go back one, listen to that, and then you can come and listen to this one. The quarterbacks. So there's a consensus, right? There's mm-hmm. definitely CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, however order you want to put them in as the top two players. Then there's a secondary tier, which includes Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. And I'm going to actually go ahead and throw Hendon Hooker in there. Not because I personally believe that he should be taken above those two guys that I just mentioned, but because well, there's, a lot be. of, there's a lot of mock drafts. There's a lot of conversation around Hendon Hooker and a lot of people kind of zagging where everyone's zigging. And saying, hey, that man is going to, you know, he's going to be the real steal of the draft when we when we look back on it kind of thing in five years. So I will mention him. Tyler, it's a very simple question. Out of those five quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, how do you rank those one through five? And who do you think that the Panthers with the number one overall pick should take kicking off this draft? Okay, well, that's two different questions. And mm-hmm. for, so how do I rank them? How do you Let's rank talk. them? Because we kind of talked about this at length, and everybody talks about this, and it's, it's, the, it's the thing. Is that if I would rank them, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Hendon Hooker, um, it'd be more like a Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, small gap, Will Levis, 
big gap Hendon Hooker for me, mm-hmm. but then an even bigger gap after Hendon Hooker to the next quarterback. Um, right. So this, um, so that's how like talent because like as much as there's the Bryce Young at size outliers and the things like that, he just is so much better mm-hmm. these last few years than any of those other quarterbacks, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, just he's got the, – that's the only thing working against him is his size, and that's pretty big. But if you think you can get out, get away with that, you're getting the best player. So that's who I think would be best. Now, what order do I think they'll go in? It's a slightly different question. Right. I'm actually for- of the belief – go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, 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 go what ahead. I want to I hear what you have to say. I want to hear what you have to say, and then we'll we'll go into it. Um, I think the number one spot is up for way more debate than people than. I mean, it's just up for a lot of debate because it's kind of gone all over the place. When the Panthers first traded into the number one spot, everybody thought they were taking CJ Stroud. Now, mm-hmm. um, things are kind of switching around, and it seems like the betting odds seem to be that Bryce Young will be the first one to go. Mm-hmm. I am not sure where I fall on this. Um, and I think, because there's also a lot of talk about how, like, Frank Reich's never, Frank Reich's never, uh, coached a short quarterback. And I'm like, that's kind of, well, I mean, that seems like a real cherry picking of data, but, um, <laughs> but there is an element to be said about, like, CJ Stroud is way more prototypical, um, size and height that you would want. And I think, I think if we're talking about the order that they're actually going to go in, I think that CJ Stroud's going number one overall, and Bryce Young's mm-hmm. going number two to the Texans. Um, I so think, I think that's going to happen. Stroud, Stroud, Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and I think I think that that's how it's going to go as well. Um, I think that for me personally, so we answer the question. I I would rank them right now in terms of who who would I in terms of who would I draft like my big board. I would go Bryce Young one. I would go Anthony Richardson, two. I would go C.J. Stroud, three. I would go Hendon Hooker, four. And I would go Will Levis, five. Let me work backwards. Will Levis, personally, at five, I have been on record for a long time saying I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't think he's a bad quarterback, but I definitely don't think that he is a first-round I don't think he is worth taking in the first round. And the more you read about his draft process, about how teams – aren't really sure about him. He's apparently bombed a bunch of interviews. He didn't want to work out as um, at the combine. Didn't want to, you know, there were a lot of a lot of question marks. Whereas when you have these other guys, I just think that you have to put them above. Then I have Hendon Hooker. Um, I think that I think that what you see with Hendon Hooker is what you're going to get. Meaning, I don't think there's as much upside as there is with the three players that I put in front of him. But given that. I think the right now of Hendon Hooker is better than what Will Levis can eventually get you. You know what I mean? That's that's mm-hmm. my personal belief. Then I have C.J. Stroud at three, which I know is weird because the cons- we were talking about how the consensus for the most part is C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young one and two in whatever order you want to see that. But I think that C.J. Stroud is gonna, is a good. I think he's a good prospect. But the reason I put Richardson above him is because I think the upside of Richardson is so high. You know, we we have talked about it ad nauseum. This is a Florida Gators first um, mentality podcast. We know exactly who Anthony Richardson can be, um, but that is why I don't have him at one. 
and I have Bryce Young because the things that I saw Bryce Young do on a football field, I do not care if he is um, five foot nine, ten, or whatever. He's Drew Brees in in terms of the comp yeah. because of the size and everything. I went ahead and looked up the 2001 draft, Tyler. Um, there was only one quarterback taken in the 2001 NFL draft, and it was Michael Vick, number one overall to the Falcons, which completely understandable. You make that pick 10 times out of 10. But fun fact, the Chargers, origin, who drafted Drew Brees, originally had the number one overall pick, and they traded back. And in return, um, they got the number five overall pick, and they drafted someone. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, Tyler, um, but he was he was a post. Apparently, he was really good. His name is uh, Ladanian Tomlinson. Uh, and so mm. kind of worked out for them. And then in the first pick of the second round took, again, slipping my mind. What's his name? Oh, yeah, his name's Drew Brees. So we all know that it didn't work out, Drew Brees, in um, San Diego at the time with the Chargers, but not by his fault. And then he blossomed out in New Orleans. Could have been Miami, <clears throat> but he blossomed in New Orleans. And it was a fantastic career. And I think that this is a situation where we're overthinking it. You know what I mean? People want to think, oh, this and that, whatever. And for that reason, mm -hmm. I agree with you that I think the Panthers will take C.J. Stroud because a lot of question marks in terms of Richardson and his, his – how do I put this? A lot of question marks in terms of is he ready, which completely understandable. You and I are on record saying we think that he would have benefited greatly from another season at, at quarterback um, with the University of Florida get those reps in and stuff. And so I think because of that, you have to go those other two guys beforehand. And Stroud's a good pick. Stroud's going to be a good pick. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. But I personally, I would take him third of those um, uh, because of that situation. So is there anything else about the quarterbacks that you want to say? I know that this is the biggest kind of topic. So I'm, I'm, I'm cool, you know, spending a little bit more time with the quarterbacks in that sense. No, I mean – um, so just so, just so I can, so you would have Stroud going number one, and then Young, yeah. and then and then it would be Bryce Young. Yeah, like I, that's what's gonna happen. Then, yeah. But I personally, if I was, if I was the Panthers, I would take Bryce Young because I think he's the most surefire thing. And then, yeah. if I want to gamble, I would take Richardson because of the upside. But again, that is the, the definition. Of I think high Richardson risk, high reward. has the gamble. That's what I would think because I think Richardson. I think Anthony Richardson would not be a bad pick for number one overall. I can see all three of those guys being a number one overall type of player. Mm -hmm. It's just that – so that's the thing. Bryce Young, if he was C.J. Stroud's size, not even Anthony Richardson's size, just C.J. Stroud's mm -hmm. build. If Bryce Young was C.J. Stroud's build, he was the number one overall, no question. But he's not. He has that detractor. C.J. Stroud, pretty prototypical, very good passer, a lot of, lot of playing time but really struggled to like handle pressure up until his last few games. And then, then is that just those some good games or is that what he is? Um, right. did, like, did it, did it finally it, click and he showed it, it click or, or was that, or just, is it situational? Right? Or is that, or was there just some good games? Cause like, that's not his MO. Yeah. Um, then you have Anthony Richardson who has shown like while being on a much worse team than both those guys, those teams with a much worse wide receiver core and a mm -hmm. quite not, I don't think quite as innovative, at least offense um, right. showed some serious progression throughout the year, got better yes. as the year went on, has outlier in a positive direction, size and everything like that, but it's an mm -hmm. extremely small sample size of yeah. playing time. And mm -hmm. um, so I also think he if, is if the, the Panthers the gamblers wanted, back. 
Uh, absolutely. And if the if the Panthers wanted to take Richardson, they probably should just stayed at nine or don't trade up to one. You can trade up to three or you can trade up to five. Like you don't have to give yeah. up that much capital. You know what I mean? And Frank Reich, who's now the coach for the Panthers, he's smart enough to know what he's doing there. So I understand. Yeah. I think I, that's why if I don't they think want Richardson, if they want Richardson, they could have traded to the Cardinal spot at three. Because um, yeah. the Card- yeah. Cardinals don't want to stay in that spot. Um, why would the, the Cardinals have too many needs and there's no player at three that is really that just so incredible that they wouldn't be worth getting an extra second first round pick out of it. And this is um, a really good defensive draft, which we'll talk about next week, but we can, you know, they can get a lot of tools on that side of the ball. And yeah. you know what I mean? That kind of so, stuff. So I think the Panthers are taking either young or Stroud. I would go with Stroud for right now. And I think the mm-hmm. Texans will get young. Um, and I think that the Colts will probably, I'm, I'm interested because, any team could trade into three and get um, Anthony. I think Seattle would probably do it, and that would be perfect for them. Um, and I think we'll I think us... Seattle would rather. I think Seattle, and we'll talk about this more next week because of who I think I think they're going to go defensive player. But I think they could, if he's if Richardson's there at five, given the upside, given the fact that they have Geno, they have an established quarterback for at least the next two to three years to give Richardson time to learn or whatever there, that is not as much of a risk. Now it's a risk because you'd be wasting a top five pick or I don't want to say wasting, but you when do they have, that's the thing. When do they have picks this high without needing to trade up to get them? Exactly. Like, exactly. And they're still good. Like right. so that's what, that's why I mean, Pete Carroll has been open at it and that's why they have to be thinking about this. Now I wouldn't, if I was them, I wouldn't settle for anyone, but the top three, I would not go for Levis or hooker because those players at their best, if, if it works out to the best, will just be what you already have in Geno Smith. Exactly. The thing is, exactly. if you hit on Stroud, Young, or Richardson, they would be better than Geno Smith. If you hit exactly. on Will Levis, in my opinion, if, if Will Levis works out, he will just be Geno Smith, which was better than a lot of quarterbacks. But you already have that. You don't need more of that. You, you're you only picking a quarterback if you think you can get better. And Com- Completely agree. It's like, completely agree. So I would not be – I cannot be shocked. I would not be shocked on where any three of these guys go number one overall. And honestly, they could go in any order of the top three. But I don't see Will Levis jumping Anthony Richardson. Um, I, I personally, uh, I see. I think Hendon Hooker will go after or will go before Will Levis. I really think really? Will Levis is gonna. I think Will Levis is gonna be the what's going on with Will Levis of you know. That that's gonna Possibly. be the narrative. I think that's the narrative on draft night. That what's going on with Will Levis? What are we? See- what are they seeing that we're not? Because there's always a couple players that it's like, wait, what? Everyone's thought this whole time that this was gonna happen, and then when it doesn't happen, everyone's putting a bunch of question marks out there. I think that's gonna be what happens in this draft, and I think that Hendon Hooker goes before him. I don't personally. I think the only three first round quarterbacks are gonna be. Stroud, Young, and Richardson, and then after that, I think people, teams are just going to wait until the second or third round to take their quarterback if they want to go ahead and see, go after one. Given I, the value, see, of I, stuff. I disagree. I think all five of these guys are going in the first round. Wow. Okay. Like, okay. There, you can't tell me that Will Levis makes it past the Washington Commanders at eighteen. All right. Sorry. I like. I think fifteen. Um, it's fifteen. I think. Yeah. I just don't. I don't think it's going to happen. It's um, just and and listen, may may God bless think, his soul. I don't I don't want to I don't want to wish ill on the dead or speak ill of the dead. But like, it's just it really reminds me of Dwayne Haskins. It really reminds me of that situation. 
Um, and that it's just because you said Washington, you know what I mean? Where it's like, it's like, yeah, he's good, but you know, okay. Like not the best one in the class clearly, but also not bad, you know, like first, maybe late first round grade, but just cause you have a late first round grade. Does not mean that you should be one of a first round pick? You know, like if Dwayne Haskins went in the second round, I think expectations would have been exponentially lower for him and he would have maybe succeeded a little bit more. You know what I mean? So I don't know. But that's 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 kind of the feeling I'm getting. But uh, that's going to be interesting for our mock draft in two weeks because you are going to be mock drafting thinking that teams are going to be taking these quarterbacks, and I'm going to be mock drafting thinking that after the top three, they're not going to be taking those quarterbacks. So very interesting to see how our mock draft plays out now that we have – it's very rare that we both disagree, but also we tend to think similarly in terms of our team-building philosophies, but – I think in this case, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see something different because, you know, we, yeah. I mean, we've, we've been talking. Well, I, cause I, I could see a world. Yeah. I could see a world where what you're talking about happens, but I also see my world where I'm like, yes, but quarterbacks are valuable. And, and like, I feel the exact same way. I feel the same way. I, I get it. It's just, it's not how I would approach building my roster out. You know what I mean? Not with this mm-hmm. guys, not, especially not when I, when, when big, big fish, Caleb Williams is coming next year. You know what I mean? So you got to always keep an eye out for the next year's quarterback class because that's the way yep. the game works. Um, all right, let's, let's move forward. We spent a lot of time on that and rightfully so, but we can, we can continue forward now. <laughs> this is a funny question given, given last week when we both said our favorite players in the draft was Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver at TCU. I wrote besides Quentin Johnson, who was the wide receiver that you would want the most? And in parentheses, I put the slot wide receiver conversation because outside they're all of Quentin Johnson, receivers. they're all slot guys. Um, Tyler, who do who would you want after obviously, um, besides Quentin Johnson, who do you want out of that wide receiver class? Um, I want to be I want to be like unique or whatnot, but at the same time, the answer is Jackson Smith Nijigba. Like that's mm-hmm. in my opinion, that is that's the answer. He's the best one. Um, now I could also be convinced for um, uh, Jordan Addison. Mm-hmm. But I think Jackson Smith the Jigba has been more productive, um, and I think I think he's got he's got a lot going for him. I think so. Yeah. That's that's my answer. The PFF the PFF rankings for the twenty twenty three wide receiver class this year are the top five: Quentin Johnson one, Jackson Smith and Jigba two, Zay Flowers from Boston College three, Jordan Addison four, and Josh Downs at five. I personally would probably like if I was in the war room and it was, Hey, you need to make this pick and we need a wide receiver. Quentin Johnson is gone. Who do we take? I probably would also take Jackson Smith and Jigba. I do feel like though, I am a little concerned with him in regards to longevity and his health. Uh, He was incredible in the back half of the 2021 season, um, especially in that Rose bowl game against um, Utah, I believe it was, right? They played uh, – or Ohio State played Utah that year, I think it was. Yes. It was, that was just like three it was, touchdowns. It was an incredible game. road game. It was an incredible Rose Bowl. Um, I think that that was incredible. But last year we didn't see him as much as we should have because he was hurt. And to be honest, anytime I watched Ohio State last year, wide receiver-wise, even if he was playing, I can't take my eyes off Marvin Harrison Jr. So it's like it, – you know what I mean? It's like, man, I feel kind of weird because – He's not the guy that I think of with that team at the wide receiver position. 
So I think even though I would probably go with Jackson Smith and Jigba for the sake of diversifying um, and for the content, of course, because that's our number one priority. Yeah, I think I think I would go Addison. Uh, you know, I might go Zay Flowers. Um, Ooh. Zay Flowers reminds me a lot of um, Zay Flowers reminds me a lot of like a Wes Welker in terms of shorter slot receiver, super effective, very fast route running and footwork is incredible and can really get into small pockets of space, not because he is small, but because he just has that lateral movement. It's that like, I think they call it like that twitch. You know what I mean? Where can can he make guys miss quickly? Can he get to spots quickly? It's kind of one of those things where like, oh my God, where's Jordan Addison? Um, Where's Zay Flowers? Oh, and he appears kind of, between that linebacker safety slot, the 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 Jalen Waddle zone is what I like to call it, the Tyreek Hill zone, where like mm. there's a bunch of space and you know as long as that player, if you throw the ball there, he's gonna get to that spot. Zay Flowers does a lot of those yeah. things, and I think if you're if you're looking for, I don't want to I don't want to disrespect Zay Flowers and say like great value Tyreek Hill, um, you know what I mean? Because that implies that he's just like much less quality. I don't know, you know, we don't know what he's gonna turn out to yeah. be. But he's like he's the college football version of Tyree Kill in that sense, and I would not mind taking a chance in the late first round, um, in the teens, taking Zay Flowers, like especially if if I'm a team like if I'm a team that has big boy receivers. If I am the Chargers, if I'm the Bengals, and I have those big boy wide receivers already, I think he makes perfect sense to put in the slot because. He stretches the defensive back backfield so much, and they have to pay attention to him. It's one of the reasons – I mean, it's basic – It is it is the thesis of the Mike McDaniels offense and the, the Dolphins offense. I mean, like, put Tyreek and Waddle out there and, you know, m- just mess things up enough for the defense to get confused. You know what I mean? So I, I think Absolutely. I'm leaning Absolutely. towards it for the content there. But I also really like all five of these receivers. I like Josh Downs. Um, it was fun to watch Josh Downs – go up and get after footballs um that uh i was gonna say future minnesota viking sam Howell, but that's that's an old bit that's that's dead um, joke has been retired the joke um, has been retired. you know what i mean i like them too but i think if i had to pick one from the rest of that group i, I might go zay flowers i might go zay flowers so okay i like that yeah. i like that hey you know if he plays longer than 2025 he is great value tyree kill that well, if we win a title before 2025, I think Tyreek Hill is just exactly what we needed. All right, don't don't do this to me. All right, don't don't no don't you don't you don't you the prince that was promised. I have the prince that was promised at quarterback. Don't don't do that, Mister Head and Shoulders commercial quarterback hair. Come on, Ben. Come on. Um, all right, Tyler. Next up, moving forward. Who is the first offensive player taken in this draft with a massive asterisk? asterisk of non-quarterback because we know we just talked about how we think the first two quarter players in this draft are going to be cj stroud and bryce young and checks watch turns out they're offensive players um besides the quarterbacks who do you think is the first offensive player taken well a lot of that happens to go happens to matter for who is picking um Mm -hmm. and i think i'm thinking that if we're not going quarterback, I think from a value standpoint, the best next player is an offensive tackle. 
mm-hmm. in Peter Skaronsky. Okay. Uh, running back's obviously not going high. I don't think a tight, any of these tight ends value going high. I could see a wide receiver going high, but I don't know if I could see it above 10 because I think it's a very heavily defensive draft. I think offensive tackle Peter Skaronsky is going to be the first offensive player taken, non-quarterback um, offensive player taken. Okay. Okay. And you think it's because it's one of those things where this is a very heavy defensive draft and outside of the quarterbacks, really the best prospects are all out there on defense. Like I'm looking right here now at the draft network yeah. big board. Their their big board is here's the top five. Will Anderson Jr., edge rusher out of Alabama. Number two is Bijan Robinson. And again, this is just pure talent board, right? Um, but we all know that a running back is I mean, we'll talk about the running backs later, but we all know that a running back's not going in the top ten. Like that's not gonna happen. Um, but then you have Jalen Carter, defensive player, Bryce Young, a quarterback, Devin Witherspoon at five, corner, Miles Murphy, edge at six, Jameer Gibbs, running back, but we know running back's not going to go top 10 there. Then cornerback, Christian Gonzalez, CJ Stroud, and then the highest ranked outside of the running back and quarterbacks is Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver. So I honestly think because given the way that football is going, I think Quentin Johnson is going to be the first offensive player taken after the quarterbacks, um, after the top, the two quarterbacks that we think. I like that. Maybe, maybe three, because, you know, maybe, maybe Seattle goes Richardson or something like that. But I think he's going to be the first one, especially given, you know, Jamar Chase went five, you know, uh, last year we had, or what was that year? I think it was 2020 where, um, you know, Waddle went six overall. Devontae Smith went 10. You know what I mean? I, I think we're getting up there with, elite wide receiver prospects are being taken high like that and it's worth it and it's worth mm-hmm. it so that's why i think it's gonna be quentin johnson so but i like that i like the shout of you know, an offensive tackle out of northwestern okay sign me like twist my arm sign me up you know what i mean like yeah i'll I mean, take like, them i'll take them it's not <laughs> sexy but i i think i think you'd be hard pressed to yeah. to find a, a hole in that it's in that strategy. It's, it's like um, it's like when you age right like you know when you're when you're when you're younger when you're in college you know you find certain things to be very very attractive but now it's like wait a minute wait a minute you tip 20 for 25 percent oh wow okay all right it's it's not sexy per se but it's something i'm definitely liking <laughs> with uh when i'm on a date you know it's like, okay let me file that away for later that was good you know so um next up speaking of offensive linemen how many do you think will go in the first round because the offensive line class is very similar to the quarterback class because we talked about how we think that there are two guys that are for sure going to go in that top five at the latest the offensive line class looks you know a little a little bit um, the offensive line class looks pretty, um, pretty, pretty top heavy is what I should say. Uh, Peters Skorznowski, like you mentioned, Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. Um, we got guys like, uh, Broderick Jones out of Georgia. Those are kind of the, th- those three offensive tackles are all in the top 15 of the draft networks big board. And then the fourth highest ranked offensive tackle jumps all the way down to 40. That's Dewan Jones, another offensive tackle out of Ohio state. And then when you look at the interior lineman, it's much more stark. The highest ranked interior offensive lineman is number 20. And that's John Michael Schmitz, the interior offensive lineman out of Minnesota. And then it's our boy. And then it jumps all the way down to our boy Osiris Torrance out of Florida at 37. So how many do you think go in the first round, both tackles and interior linemen? 
O line in general. I'm yep. thinking. I'm thinking about. I'm thinking four. I'm thinking okay. four. Do you um, want to? How do you think those split up? Well, I think Peter Scrossi for sure. Uh, the first mm-hmm. one. Um, I de- I actually think that. Uh, I think that Osiris Torrance is going to go in the first as well. Um, See, I hope he does, but I don't think he will, and I think it's because there isn't. Me personally, I think he's first round talent, first round grade. From what we saw, I was like, oh, that that was the him and excuse me, him and Ventrell Miller were the two players that we knew week in week out. If they're on the field, we don't have to worry about them with Florida, right? On each mm-hmm. side of the ball. Ventrell Miller, of course, is not in terms of NFL talent a first round caliber player, and that's okay. It's very indicative of the Florida defense last year, um, but it is okay. Um, you know, so it's one of those like, oh, okay. Whereas with yeah. the offensive lineman, we all knew that Osiris Torrance is one of the best. That is, it was the best player at his position in college football last season. But because of the depth there, I really think they're going to be okay with punting that to the second round. I would be shocked if he went past like pick 40, like if he wasn't picked okay. within the first 10 picks of the second round. But I don't think he's going to be taken in the first round. Unfortunately, I hope that's, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we end up getting two first rounders. Um, from Florida, but I just I don't see it happening. Well, I also think that Project Jones from Georgia and Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State will also be taken. And, and you know, it's 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 top heavy, and I think it's a thing that like this is a very defensive heavy draft, and the wide receiver position is not as good as it was last year in this draft class. But there's a lot of value there. I feel like a lot of those guys will go on day two. Um, and I think you said it was top heavy, so I do think that. A bunch of those guys are going to sneak. I think a bunch of guys are going to sneak into the into the first round. So I think I think four. I'm going to go with four. What do you? I'm, think? I'm going to go with three because I think those three offensive tackles are going to go because it is a premium position, and I think someone will. I don't want to say reach, but someone will be like, ah, you know, the corners we liked are gone. The the first round grade corners we liked are gone. The wide receivers are gone. Quarter, you know, mm, you know what? Let's just go tackle. You know. Let's just go and get a blue chip guy. You can never have too many good blue chip tackle prospects on your roster. So I just feel like someone's going to do that. So I'll go with three, and they're all going to be tackles. So, um, Who is the first tight end taken, Tyler? I think this one's a very kind of easy, you know, conversation, you know, personally. I, I really think um, – so let me, let me phrase it this way. Where do you think Dalton Kincaid ranks – in terms of uh, the draft network's ranking of tight ends, uh, Dalton Kincaid, I think he would be, and as far in the list of tight ends, I imagine he'd be number one. Okay. What if I told you that he was ranked fourth of the what? Tight ends? That there are three prospects ranked higher than him at his well, position. Actually, actually, you know, actually, I it depends on who they are, but I could believe it to a degree. Because I can, I can believe Michael Mayer or Darnell Washington being above him. Who I don't know who the other person is. is so those thing. two are above um, him. Michael Mayer is considered the highest ranked tight end, um, yeah. number fifteen overall. Uh, he's a tight end out of Notre Dame, who he had a fantastic season last year and was really good. Darnell Washington is considered the third at number thirty-one overall. Kin- Kincaid is thirty-fourth overall with fourth as well. The second one is Luke Musgrave, the tight end out of um, okay. Minnesota, right. and he's ranked 29th. I personally would rather have Dalton Kincaid. I'm not mad at Michael Mayer being the top-ranked 
tight end according to the draft network. But I would then put Kincaid second. Like that, this is one of those Griffin. things where I get the metrics and everything, but my guy was balling. Well, this this is why it was an interesting question to me because again, it's kind of like we talk about the quarterbacks. Is that three? I don't know a lot about Luke Musgrave, so I, I'm sure he's talented. I've heard that he's talented. I'm gonna kind of put him in my four spot for right now. But it's like Michael Mayer is was clearly the best production of these tight ends last year for Notre Dame. Darnell Washington is a physical freak. So if you think his best playing days are ahead of him and you can teach him, then Darnell Washington's the pick. He's just bigger and stronger and faster than all of these guys. Don Kincaid is the measuring of the, the, the two. Um, mm-hmm. He's more athletic than Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer is like, if it's all about what your, what your team needs. The Jaguars would love a Michael Mayer to, to put opposite Evan Ingram. as just like, like Michael Mayer is just like, if Michael Mayer will get you a first down, that's what you want. Like he's yes. like, okay. It's it's third and six. I need a first down. Michael Mayer, he's gonna be open on third on third and six. That's what you need. Um, Dalton Kincaid is a little bit more explosive, a little bit more athletic, has more production than Darnell Washington. So it's a little bit in that mix, and that's where I think that's why I think it's that thing where that's the reason I think C.J. Stroud's going number one overall is that he's the mix between Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young. Is that Dalton Kincaid is the mix between these two players? He's the and, like, when you've got a good player that does kind of both well, you think you can get something out of it. So I think Dalton Kincaid's going to go first. Okay. I would think? I would agree with you. Um, I do want to quickly, really quickly, on Darnell Washington. Darnell Washington suffered in terms of perception. For me, he suffered from the same thing that I think Jackson Smith and Jigba suffered from. And it's not that these are not good players, and it's not that they're not first-round caliber. It's not that I don't think that they're going to be successful or they're going to go higher. It's that they're playing opposite a player that is not yet draft eligible that I consider to be hands down better than them. And so therefore my perception of that player um, is probably hindered in my analysis. And that is Brock Bauer, <laughs> who, who is insane over at Georgia. The, and the Jackson yeah. Jigba comp was Marvin Harrison Jr., of course. You know what I mean? And so for that reason, I think that he kind of dropped a little bit in my eyes. Um, I know that that's, you know, that's a personal bias there. Not because he went to Georgia, but because of that, he's playing opposite Brock Bowers. And I'm like, how do you look at Brock Bowers? And you're not like, yep, that's the tight end from Georgia that I want. You know, how do you not look at Marvin Harrison Jr. And go, yep, that's the wide receiver from Ohio State that I want, you know? So for that reason, I also agree with you that Dalton Kincaid is going to go first overall. Um, because he's just really good, and I agree with you. He's that great combination that you were talking about. Um, all right, Tyler. The analytics folks' favorite question. Will a running back go first uh, in the first round this season? This draft? Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, nice. Yeah, I don't nice. Think great analysis. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Bijan Robinson is following – Bijan Robinson is has the level of talent that those Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Leonard for well, not even Leonard Fournette, but like Leonard Fournette conversations had. And just football has changed that nobody's taking a running back that high as much. Anymore. Can I pause you but for a he's second? That level of talent. Yeah. I I I don't want to do revisionist history on Leonard Fournette. I personally, Tyler, and I know that it hurts you because, you know, Jaguars and everything, but Leonard Fournette was one of the best college running backs that I ever laid oh. eyes on. I watched that man yeah. destroy the Florida defense in person and go, there's nothing we can do to stop him. Like we could have put, we could have put 16 defensive players on our side of the field and he would have 
broken through all of them. Like, I don't want to do that yeah. revisionist history with Leonard Fournette. I am willing to put him in that category of Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, in terms of, oh my gosh, look what this running back can do coming out of college. I just wanted to put that back out there. So sorry. I just wanted to. No, I mean, and that is absolutely that fair. Um, that is absolutely fair. It's just, it's one of those, like, that's the thing. He didn't pan out quite like that, but that was the level of running back that we we're talking about. Bijan Robinson is at that level as far as talent. And that means he's not, but in today's NFL, that means he's not going top 10. But you, he's not, he's not making it past the Bills, in my opinion. Like, the, the he's not making, he's not making it past the Buffalo Bills. Um, like, it's just, you tell me, and then if he made it past the Bills by some miracle, tell me the Eagles aren't interested. Tell me the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs aren't interested. The like, Bills have picked number 27. The, the team, the team, the good teams that, ha- that are, can, pick best player available, you get this running back fall to you on a rookie deal, you take it. On a first round rookie deal where you will get that fifth year option. Like Yeah. So I think I think he's the only one. I don't think that Jameer okay. Gibbs, who is my second running back, I don't think that there's it's just that Bijan Robinson is so talented. Completely I agree. just completely I, agree. I just can't really see him falling out of the first round. I'm surprised you said that about Jameer Gibbs because that is the running back that I thought could also go first round. I'm going to say it's funny because I walked into this going, you know, I look at the questions and I'm like, okay, I'm going to say this for this, this for this. And when I got to this question, I went, no, I don't think they're going to go. But listening to you talking, I always forget this. And every time that you mention it, a light bulb goes up and goes off my head. It's that fifth rank, fifth year um, option is so massive in today's NFL with the way that the salary cap works and with the way that the league is structured, the, the, the way compensation is structured, that fifth year option is vital. And yes, if you're going to have a player that's going to make such a big impact at that level, I think that, yeah, it's, it's going to be worth it to take it. And it's kind of going to be, I, I think I'm going to see this recurring factor where the better, the best running backs in the league are going to end up on the best teams in the league. And it's because mm-hmm. teams that are picking earlier are not going to want to use that pick on a running back. And understandably so, because you can get it's like the, the elite of the elite are worth it, taking it in the back half of that first round. But after that, you can really just kind of take them whenever you want and you can kind of plug and play and stuff like that. So I'm yeah. with you on that one. But I did think that Jameer Gibbs could maybe have gone, you know, could maybe go somewhere like what if the Chargers end up trading Austin Eckler, right, who has been granted permission to seek a trade. I don't, as much as I like Bijan Robinson, and I think that if he's there and the Chargers have a running back hole like that, they should probably take it because their priority should be to surround Justin Herbert with as many weapons as possible. But I just think that if you just literally replace Austin, you trade Austin Eckler and you get back trade assets, you know, you get back some picks, maybe you get like two seconds or something like, or a single, a second and a fourth, you know what I mean? That's what maybe you get back for him. And then you just replace him with Jameer Gibbs. That's that's fun. Like from a neutral perspective, that's fun to watch. You know, I, I think that that would be good. And that would be that would be really good for a fantasy perspective as well. <clears throat> if, you, if you're an SOTD alum, um, alumni league member, please don't listen to this part. This two set two minute section. here. This part. Um, this is all the other parts, but not this part. Nope, 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 not this part. Nope. Nope. Um, but yeah, that's you know, that so it could be fun. So I'm going to say yes. And. I think that answers both of our questions, right? I think your first running back off the board is going to be Bijan Robinson, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, think I'm not, he, I'm, yeah. 
I think he will be the first running back off the board, but I'm going to, I'm going to add like an extra little prediction. I think that once he is off the board that we are going to see Jameer Gibbs shortly thereafter be taken. So for example, if, if someone like, um, let's take a look here. Maybe let's say the, let's say the bills take B. John Robinson I don't think that Jameer – if the Bills at 27 – Oh, you love that, Robinson, wouldn't you? You just love that. I'm not afraid of the Bills. I'm not afraid of the Bills. <laughs> I, I ain't scared of you. You could give the Bills prime Tom Brady. Come at my neck. We're going to – never mind. I don't want to do that to myself. Um, you sure you want to go that far? Da, 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 da. No, I did not say that. I did not say that. Um, Cut that, Sergio. Cut that from the right. No, I'm not going to cut that. <laughs> but – if if Bijan goes twenty seven to the Bills, I don't think Jameer Gibbs makes it past Philly at thirty. You know what I mean? It's one of those like both that's a good goal. point. That's a good point. They're gonna go right I, at that point. So. I like your point. Like it is one of those things where like running backs are gonna start going to the good teams because the risk get richer, and also it's like it's become very it's become so pass heavy that teams cannot afford to invest in like players that it's just worth it more to invest in defense and pass catchers than it is in running backs at the, at the early parts of the rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, even for a generational player like Bijan Robinson. Yeah. But it just means that like running backs are just going to get to be accents and it's going to mean so much more for those teams. Um, exactly. But yeah, I, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just interesting how it's going to turn that way because well, like that, like mm-hmm. go ahead. No, no, I was just that concept of like teams wanting running backs that, are you know very versatile and can also catch the ball out of the backfield. That's kind of like why in my gut, I, I think it's gonna be Bijan that goes first. But and I know I'm saying Jameer Gibbs a lot here, but that's kind of the reason why I'm like, I don't know, man. This this whole I'm, I I think that Bijan goes first because I do think he's great and he can also catch the ball out of the backfield absolutely. But he's built more like a like we mentioned, a, a Fournette, a Barkley, a Zeke, you know, he's built more as like a, I am going to run this football three downs and we're, I am feeling it. Give me the rock eight rushes, 70 yards for a touchdown on a singular drive type of running back. Whereas Jameer Gibbs, I think is more of the Alvin Kamara type situation, you know, Darren yeah. Spurs back in the day. Um, we were just talking about Austin Eckler, that type, you know, that you can cons- succeed with those, which is why, it would be great irony if the Chiefs at the end of the round with the final pick in the round were like, you know what? Let's do what we did all those years ago. Let's go ahead and take a running back at the time it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And let's take let's take um, Jameer Gibbs there. I don't know, man. It, it's This is a Sergio just loves him some, some pass-catching running backs who are really fast and slightly undersized mm-hmm. thing because – yeah, every, everyone knows my thoughts on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at one point. So you have the assets. Well, I had them. We were in a we we're in a soft rebuild, but yes, yes, I did have the assets. Was that Tanking like? Works is is in the middle of a of a very. We're on our darkness retreat. All right, we're 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 taking a try <laughs> right now. We're really assessing the situation. We're trying to see what's going on before the draft. So. Uh- Look, I've tried to hide this fact, but if we're going to talk about fantasy SOTD alone, fantasy football, no one is more invested in this Lamar Jackson trade than me. No one, absolutely oh, nobody. I forgot oh, about this. Like oh I, I have so many. 
I was more invested. I need this done. I need it done. I need it done if, yesterday. I don't care who. Because it, it's gonna it's either gonna be with the Ravens with Odell Beckham Jr., in which case, amen. I love it because I still got Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um or like or he's gonna go to the Falcons, love it. Or he's gonna go to the Colts, hate it personally, but also love it. Very prosperous for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I need this done. I need it done. I need it done now. Like for the um, for anyone who's I gotta who's know, man. In. I gotta know. <laughs> anyone who's who's joined us recently, um, Tyler and I, we know each other obviously from college, and we have a lot of you know friends from the University of Florida, and we have a dynasty league that what are we on now this is what year five we're going into year five now this league? oh it's like this is like year seven dude seven i think it's really? my six i came in the year after it started it was like it started okay. the year because i was there i, in, I was there in the inaugural year so you think, started yeah you were in the inaugural year, one year six i was the year seven. after okay so then perfect so five or six for me six or seven for the league whoever's got the trophy to find out um i believe that it that would be who won last year Oh, Orlando did. Oh, that's right. I so thought... no, Orlando didn't win. No, it wasn't him. I don't know. Tyler's Tyler the uh, <laughs> well, what do we call Tyler now? Um is he poorly uh, invested management portfolio poorly invested portfolio poorly invested financial portfolio Bucks fan, uh Tyler Renfro. Uh he's yelling at his uh his iPhone right now. But anyway, the point being <laughs> We are very invested in the rookies because it's a dynasty league. And so we watch the draft not only through the lens, Tyler of the Jags, me of the Dolphins, both of us just as football fans, but we pay attention through the eyes of our fantasy football teams because we have dynasty leagues where we can keep up to like, I think it's like six players every year or something like that. So uh, yes, we, we, we take this very seriously. Um, just like the NFL will be taking the draft very seriously coming up in just two weeks time. Um, very excited, Tyler. Next week, we're going to be coming back. We're going to do the defensive players. As I've mentioned a few times on this episode, this is a much better draft on the defensive side of the ball. That's not as sexy. That's not as flashy, but that is just football as it's being played. And that is okay. We love to see that. We're going to be talking about the big boys, the interior linemen. Uh, we will have the Jalen Carter situation conversation. We will talk about the corners and the secondary players. We will talk about the linebackers and the edge rushers. We will have all of those conversations next week. The week after, we will be doing our mock draft because that will be draft week. So stay tuned right here to Sideline Judgment um, for our upcoming draft coverage. Tyler, uh, that is everything that we have set up here. Um, for this episode of Sideline Judgment, we will also be back next week talking about the spring game. So make sure that you guys tune in and check out. There's a, be a lot of questions in terms of quarterbacks. That's kind of the biggest uh, question going into this upcoming Florida Gator season. We'll talk about some yep. news that breaks in the college football world. Just everything you need in terms of football. It's April. We know that, but that's okay. We're still here talking draft, talking college ball, talking pro ball. Um I wanted to talk Succession, but Tyler doesn't want to watch Succession, so that's a, you know. That's I'm a, working on it, Tyler. Uh, Tyler, you, 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 listen. Let when I say this, I love you, but you are not serious people. That's a that's a line from Succession. So. I know. I, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I can't and I, I can't say. So I've been I've been doing this bit right where um, I'm watching Succession 
last week I watched the last episode, which if you watch Succession listeners, oh my God. Yes, incredible. But I watched it with Alexa, Vincent, her brother, and her parents because they watch it as well. And last week was the third week of the season. I've been doing this bit where uh, I say one line from the show uh, the whole week after that episode premieres. And my line for after week two was, I love you, but you are not serious people. And I cannot tell you what the line was from episode one because it is uh, – I would have to go back and bleep it out because it is not uh, <laughs> it is not an appropriate one. And I think l- listeners who watch Succession, you'll know what I mean. But I don't think I'm going to say one this week just given the situation of what just happened on the show. Uh, I- I'd like to not say anything that happened on this show. I do have a couple, but you know, maybe not live on the air and, and out in the world. So um, good television is going on, t- Tyler. Good football is going to be going on. And good yeah. drafting, hopefully, is going to be going on in a couple weeks as well. By the way, I figured out. I was looking it up while you were talking. I figured out. Uh, Anthony, Anthony, uh, oh, Anthony, and your mom is the name of the thing. He wanted this year. He had the best record all year. Also, if you find out if you go into your the setting on the app and you go to league uh-huh. like league history, you can go into your own personal history, and it also shows you who your historically easiest opponent is and your historically toughest opponent. No um, way. My historically toughest opponent is Anthony Crum, is T-Blow and your mom. I have, we have yes. played four, we have played four times. I have beat him once. He's beat me three times. Um, my easiest opponent, get this, is Steven Peters, Gaines Vegas Goons. Uh, uh, I have played him five times, and he has only beaten me once in the loser bracket this year. That is, wait, where do you see that? I'm on, I'm on the app right now. So if you go to okay, if you go to league, okay, league history, league at history. the bottom, at the bottom, uh, in where it says uh, team performance, you can go to more team insights, and it will show you like the history of your team's like performances, like all your losses, all your wins, your playoff appearances, and at the very bottom, it'll say easiest opponent, toughest opponent. Oh, the, and and under that, it gives you the year by year where you finished. Um, mm-hmm. Man, that 2021, I went 12 and two and I finished fourth. And, 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 poorly managed financial portfolio Bucks fan Tyler Renfro went eight and six and won the league. I can't deal with Hey, that's how it works, baby. Oh my God. That's how I. Okay, so more. I did that one year. More team insights. Your easiest opponent. My easiest opponent is <laughs> Honey Bijan Mustard, which Benson already changed his name for next year, <laughs> and he went Honey Bijan Mustard. <laughs> well, he's, done, I, look, he's, well done. He's got to get Bijan Robinson with that. <laughs> Listen, man. Uh, easiest opponents: four wins, zero losses. You just love to see it. Undefeated. Um, my toughest opponent. Poorly managed financial portfolio Bucks fan. Seven seven matchups. I have lost. I am two and five. Three of those. Three of those. Three of those are in the playoffs. Oh. It it hurts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He is is my Buffalo Bills. He is my Buffalo Bills right now. I'm coming for blood next year. I'm coming uh, for blood. So it's so funny. Like, I'm looking at this. And I'm looking at my overall like all time record, mm-hmm. dude. I'm so average. I am. I'm thirty and twenty five. Hey, what's your what's your I average a, finishing position? My average finishing position sixth. 
Okay, minus I seven. Am so, I am so <laughs> mid. <laughs> but here's the thing. I, wa- I won the championship one year, and I've been living off that. Because so many oh. people that, that talk – so many people that talk down to me still haven't still haven't won one, and I get to always go back to that. Um, but yeah. I really gotta I gotta tighten it up, man. I gotta tighten so it up. The year, gotta, okay, so the year you won, you went eight and six, and I went ten and four. You damn right. You the, damn which right. Was, which was my first year in the league, uh, twenty nineteen. In twenty twenty, I went five and eight. That was a that was a bad year. We're just gonna chalk it up to the game. Um, but it was the first of back-to-back titles from medium, uh, poorly managed financial portfolio Bucks fan Tyler Renfro, and then last season Anthony won with a ten and four record. I went seven and seven, so I can't even, I can't even front on that one. My all-time record is thirty-four and twenty-one, um, and I've made the playoffs twice. So that means that both of those playoff years, uh, Renfro knocked me out. That's what it was then. Woo. Oh wait, I can see you can change the team on the app so i can see waffle house warriors for example which is austin his average finish is fifth and he's he's had one top three oh that's so cool i'm looking at yours here geez tyler this graph does not look good buddy (laughs) you are just diagonally. it's it's not not a good projection it it ain't going well Casting the visual medium, but like, man, Tyler wasn't kidding when he said it does not look good for him in terms of. Trajectory. So I went. I finished first, fifth, uh-huh. sixth, twelfth. Oh, yeah, you did a bad year last year, dude. Oh man, but hey, look, it, they don't they don't ask how they ask how many, and you have a you have a chip. So congratulations, Tyler, on that one. My name's on the trophy. Oh man. All right. Well, we <laughs> should wrap this up. We've done like ten minutes on <laughs> we. What other podcast does 10 minutes on fantasy football dynasty leagues in April? Just us, Tyler. Just us. We'll be back next week. (laughs) We'll be back next week. Um, Defensive positioning breakdown and all of that good stuff. Anything else you want to say before we sign off, bud? Nope. Uh, Great. Another great episode. Excited for next week. Talk about the defensive players. It's a much heavier defensive year than it is offensive this year. So uh, very excited to see how it goes. Yes, sir. And I'm hoping that next week when we talk, I am in a great mood because the Florida Panthers are winning in their playoff series against To Be Determined. Uh, All that being said, this is another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And we are not biased, Tyler. But today, on the day of our spring game, go Gators.